Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is senior researcher, Sarah Seiber. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Alex. So you had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Michael Kim, Chief Innovation Officer of VA's Long Beach Healthcare System and Chief of Staff at VA's National Artificial Intelligence Institute. Wow, that is <laughs> a lot of title. I guess to start off, how was your conversation? Yeah, he wears a lot of hats, but it went really well. We discussed the National AI Network, which was exciting. It's kind of a two-parter on Dr. Gil Teravitz's interview at the end of last year. Um, so if you haven't seen that, I'd check that out. And some of the ways that VA is using smaller pilot-like projects to quickly test different innovations and get them out to veterans and customers faster. It seems like AI is gaining momentum across government with new frameworks from NIST, White House, and more. What's the impetus behind this? So yeah, over the past six months alone, we've seen a massive growth in AI guidance from the AI Bill of Rights to NIST's new AI risk management framework. And I think we're all starting to realize that there needs to be more governance around AI development, especially if you're a health agency or organization like the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, so Dr. Kim will dive into some of the ways VA is looking at doing that in this episode. How much of this focus on AI frameworks and development across government, how much is that rooted in what's happening in the private sector and industry with stuff like chat GPT and whatever was going on with Bing. I think we've all seen that New York Times article. How much is stuff like that fueling government's interest in this? Right. I think we're all kind of realizing the power of AI and especially in industry when you have so many industry government collaborations when you look at the contracting side of things if government is bringing in some industry solutions there has to be oversight in some way on those solutions and knowing the I guess how the gears turn inside the AI um, and the different algorithms to make sure that it's equitable and not biased, like when you're the government, you have to provide for all people, all your citizens. So I think uh, it's has a strong tie to how government is analyzing developments, whether they come in from industry or come from government developers. Bringing it back to the VA, what is the National AI Network? Yeah, so the National AI Network was launched by VA's National Artificial Intelligence Institute to bring together local AI research and development into a broader collaboration. So it's very rooted in sharing best practices, having more eyes on different projects to better analyze and govern the solutions that are being developed. And then it also helps bring those smaller solutions onto a larger scale, which Dr. Kim will discuss in the episode. So what are some of the benefits to this approach? 
So the National AI Network definitely takes a more agile approach to AI development. So you've probably heard a lot of tech leaders talk about the fail fast, fail small approach, basically meaning that developers aren't going to be right every time. So you have to take into account that failure as you're developing technology and this approach in a small project or pilot programs helps identify failures, improve and iterate so you can use lessons learned to deliver solutions that are more successful and then branch them out into larger programs. So especially in AI and healthcare, this is very important because there are a lot of potential risks. Uh, so you want to mitigate those early on and ideally before they get to a patient. <laughs> well, with all that said, let's take a listen to your interview. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so from the provider perspective, where are opportunities for AI to support healthcare delivery? And also, what are some of the challenges you've seen? Um, hi, uh, thank you for asking this question. I think uh, obviously right now in society, artificial intelligence is uh, immensely in the front forefront of, of society as a whole, but, but particularly for healthcare as well. In healthcare, there are incredible amounts of opportunities um, from aiding diagnoses to saving time through automation and information extraction to address provider burnout. Mm -hmm. And also um, to, to really save lives and make lives easier. However, a lot of the challenges are there due to, is there enough evidence that they're safe and effective and making sure there are proper guardrails? And two, navigating the complexity of the information systems of, of health with lots of different types of data and uh, restrictions around, appropriate restrictions around privacy and security. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know that VA in particular has done a lot of work to try to answer some of those questions and improve AI in healthcare. So what are some of the concrete use cases or examples you have of opportunities where AI is supporting healthcare delivery? Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, there's one project that comes uh, forefront to mind that I'm particularly excited about, which we're calling uh, the Digital Command Center. Uh, the Digital Command Center concept is really based on acknowledging the fact that healthcare is incredibly complicated and potentially mm -hmm. dangerous. And if you look at high reliability organizations, we're talking about where failure is not an option. We're talking like the airline industry. We're talking about NASA. Right. What do they have when their approach to data analytics? They have advanced data analytics. They have the right people in the right room looking at the same analytics to make important consequential decisions. How do we approach healthcare the same way? And inspired by several uh, leading organizations in this country, we went on our journey that we've been on for about a few years now to, to, to realize this vision. And the, the idea of this is to take many, many different disparate data systems and to congregate them all to get what is the most important and bring it into the front forefront. And then layer on top of that, advanced analytics and the potential for AI. And the platform we're choosing, I'm not gonna name the specific industry, allows native AI ML engineered into this system. And we are really trying to tackle everything here. Three main pillars of effort. One is outpatient. 
how do we take fragmented care and help coordinate that on what we're calling our team's command center? How do we also look at inpatient care where patients are the sickest, driving efficiency and safety from, from the moment they come to the ER to the moment they're discharged? And our third main pillar of effort is integrating AIML solutions into this. We have several AIML solutions that are being piloted in here. One is really being thoughtful about health equity because it's really important that, I mean, you, you've probably heard it, we've seen in the news how AI, while intended to do good, can do harms by exacerbating bias and creating inequity. We specifically wanted to see if we could do AI for good. How can we look at data to see uh, a nuanced, uh, intelligent-based way to improve equity by incorporating things, what we call like the social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. uh, so that pilot and AI ML project is underway. A second one that we're also underway is looking at what we call clinical deterioration. How you take all these disparate sets of data and determine who is going to be the sickest, who may die, who may not. And those can be critically important when you're deciding whether you're going to admit a patient or whether they need to go to the ICU or maybe they don't have to go to the ICU. So we have another AIML solution uh, um, that is underway integrated into this infrastructure and system. That's, um, that's probably the one that I'm, uh, I mean, I have a, we have a lot of projects we're excited about one, uh, but that one is one that uh, is the first that comes to my mind. Thank you. Yeah, that's great to hear. So as part of a pilot effort, VA's National Institute of Artificial Intelligence actually created the AI Institutional Review Board. Could you explain the function of this review board and the insights you've gleaned from the pilot? Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so the IRB pilot was really looking to see how we could advance trustworthy artificial intelligence, as I referred to earlier as the guardrails. And the idea is to take existing infrastructure um, that, is, it, that is there to help safeguard patients in research, which is called the Institutional Review Board, and to see if we can add additional uh, features to it to highlight the unique risks that AI plays. So the Executive Order 13960 delineates nine main principles on how on trustworthy artificial intelligence. So we developed novel questions to address those specific unique concerns that AI raises as a supplementary module to the AI pilot. So when we did that pilot, we actually did uh, find that it was helpful. We had an industry-sponsored study that rejected a case due to lack of transparency on how the AI worked, mm -hmm. on what type of data uh, and how it would be used, and not being really transparent uh, to the patient when they get their informed consent. We actually uh, rejected the study and sent it back to the industry sponsor to address, and the industry sponsor ended up withdrawing from the study. Interesting as well is that same pilot was approved at another institution. We were able to determine that, which goes to show that this innovation uh, provided value in the circumstance. And right now we're in the process of expanding this to all the NIAI network sites and to see if uh, we can enhance it and make it better and learn more from it. So yeah, uh, there's another thing that has come out recently is that we um, approved the first AI oversight committee and policy at VA Long Beach Healthcare System just last month. And this takes the initial successes of the AIRB pilot, but addresses all AI systems at the healthcare system because that AIRB pilot is um, really focusing on research, 
But what about other pathways that AI can enter the healthcare system, whether it's operations or quality improvement, whether it's uh, FDA cleared biomedical devices. Uh, so that's a pretty exciting uh, milestone as well uh, for our partnering uh, NIA AI site in Long Beach and, and the National AI Institute. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I look forward to seeing how those continue to play out. We're going to take a break from today's interview and play a game I call Alphabet Soup, where I challenge our hosts to name the federal agency or office based on acronym alone. Playing today are staff writer researchers, Catherine McPhail and Nikki Henderson. Hi, everyone. Hi, Alex. Hey there, Alex. Here are the rules. I will say an acronym, and if you know the answer, buzz in using a buzzword. Today's buzzword is interoperability. Oh, wow. Can we say in interoperable? I will allow either interoperability or interoperable. <laughs> this is the longest buzzword ever, Alex. <laughs> well, if you say the buzzword and if you get it wrong, the other player gets a chance to guess. If neither of you get the answer, I open the floor to random guessing until somebody gets it right or I give up and tell you. There are three acronyms. Are you ready? I can be ready. Of course, of course. <laughs> All right. Your first acronym is OIG. Office of Inspector. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Interoperable. <laughs> Interoperable. Yes. Office of Inspector General. Very good. OIG, Office of Inspector General, starting out easy. I think the next one you won't have too much of a problem with. U.S. Spacecom. Interoperable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> United States Space Communications. Ooh. I literally, what is it? Can you cut this from the episode? <laughs> Tri trips at the finish line. Nikki, so you know it's United States Space. Command! Command! Literally just heard you typing. You cheated. I, was I did not I was like, to say it. I was like, I'm right here. I can meet. For, okay. for our listeners, we're actually I'm recording this one this. in person. Gather just looked at the answer yes, right like, in front of me. What was it? I know it's not it's what I said. It's command. And I was just getting. Well, I did. I think we said it at the same time. Oh, so right. Nikki got it. Well, technically. I, okay, I'm closing this to relieve myself of temptations. These games make me extremely nervous. Wow, man, what, what an upset. Not in terms of the game, but just how, for me, I'm upset. In terms of our feelings. Wow, I trust you all. I'm virtual, I'm not, I'm not cheating. That's right, you're doing this right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we have one more opportunity to just uh, introduce chaos. The last acronym is HMM. Your hint is that if I had the budget to license a song, I would be playing Britney Spears's Toxic. Our listeners at home, I so wish that we had video because the looks of confusion <laughs> are just 
I'm thinking so. Okay, toxic, toxic waste, H, health, M, management, health and management of. Oh, inter- interoperability. Oh, Nikki. Oh. Um, health management and mitigation. Management is one of the words. It's the second word. It's H management M. Hazards management. I, and then something mysterious. You, you, are, you are so close. I'm just going to give you that. It's hazardous materials. Oh, wait. No, I messed up. <laughs> no, no, you got met. Wait, did you get management? Right. I forget now. Okay. <laughs> I am going to. Um, the answer is hazardous materials management. I think I messed up pretty badly. So you both win and I lose. Congratulations, you're winners. And I, I'm, I'm going to go sulk in a corner at my failures. I didn't know it was possible for you to lose this game, Alex. Well, it's just like, um, it's just like poker. You know, you're playing the dealer. <laughs> <laughs> well... That was an exceptionally chaotic alphabet soup, and that is why we love this game. Anything can happen. Even I can lose, and I have the answers right in front of me. Thank you, Catherine and Nikki, for playing. And now, back to the episode. I think the lessons learned here are never feel too safe. Not with alphabet soup. So how are you using the results from some of these pilots and studies implementing these checks and balances to improve future services and AI development? Well, tying it back to just what um, we, I shared earlier, it's like we know that um, there's still a lot more to do, right? Um, mm-hmm. This is a successful pilot, but we need to scale that to see if it's repeatable and sustainable across the largest integrated healthcare system in the country. And it does have a bottom-up approach, but we have to understand that there is a top-down approach as well, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really that 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 um, the taking um, real-world results and taking uh, feedback from the field, but also complementing it with the thought leadership and organizational structures that that govern uh, ethics and policy and data governance as as a VA as a whole which at VA is the Data Governance Council. So it's really that partnership of the AI leadership, uh, such as a, a prior, um, through our director of the National Artificial Intelligence Institute, Dr. Gyaltervitz, and other uh, thought leaders and uh, subject matter experts on taking those lessons from the field to inform and shape a thoughtful, ethical, and but also pragmatic approach from a national perspective. Yeah, that's great to hear. So Nye recently launched its national AI network. So what does this look like and what is it like to be a part of it? Um, the Nye network is, um, uh, I think, uh, one of the strengths of, of our organization. That's really um, not just a, a hermetically sealed small office at national and is not just a small facility out in the field, but it's really a complement of both. It's, it's taking the strength of uh, the entire large institution that we, we serve and being that bridge of having both feet, both, both having that national perspective, that regional perspective and uh, the field perspective, right? Because if you really want to translate real AI solutions to the field, you need to have that connection. 
And also having multiple network sites increases the geographic diversity, the diversity of your workforce. Certain facilities are gonna have strengths and certain uh, institutions are gonna have opportunities. And by leveraging that, you can really try to translate uh, results. And it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, be able to participate in that in that journey. Um, this is not unique to just deny this concept of AI network. I mean, it is something that we're proud of, but we see this in other programs as well. Um, you know, this, this idea of like, how do you actually get out into the field so you can test, pilot, iterate, and scale? Um, but it certainly has worked well for our organization. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I know that you mentioned having that diversity. That's really important when you're developing AI because, you know, the broader the field, the more actionable the AI is. So that's good to hear. And, yeah, and we have four, four, four sites. I didn't know if I uh, mentioned them. We have four sites specifically. We have Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. uh, which was our first. And then we had uh, uh, Long Beach in California, uh, Kansas City in Missouri, and then Tampa in Florida. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is very geographically spread. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to grow more. Uh, we just want to just do yeah. it in a, like a very thoughtful, strategic fashion. But we, right. we aim to, to continue to grow. Yeah, that's really exciting. And VA has been one of the leaders in developing guidance and policy around trustworthy AI development. So as you move through this journey of developing trustworthy and accurate AI, how are you measuring success? Uh, we measure success first and foremost in our ability to deliver AI solutions and making sure that they're adherent to what we're federally required to do, which is the second order 13960, but also really other important guiding documents such as you know relatively recently published blueprint for AI Bill of Rights. Uh, and we I spoke to this earlier in this on this interview about those uh, innovative pilots that we are doing, and it's really uh, continuing that on and trying to further that to make sure everything we're doing is reliable and safe and ethical. It's absolutely important to our mission uh, for the veterans we serve. Right. Um, we, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of spoke to this question a little bit earlier as well, that make, it's not just about the fields, not just by national, it's like that those uh, field-based informed pilots to help shape a national, uh, national vision and national strategy and national policy. Uh, so, and again, that kind of ties to the network, the benefits of it, right? You, you get those incubator pilot um, pilots out in the field, but then you also have the influence of a national vision, national strategy, and tying it to those uh, councils uh, and be able to provide that feedback and provide those real world results to inform and shape that. It, it, it's been an incredibly um, important um, um, tactic on, on getting the mission accomplished. Right. That makes a lot of sense and having that pilot approach enables you to be more agile instead of, you know, I've heard many a times like, wow, we had this awesome idea and invested a lot of time and money into this one solution and, you know, it didn't work. But having those like iterative projects, I'm sure makes that a lot more informative as you develop the policy around it. So moving forward, how do you envision the future of AI in healthcare? I I envision it. um, Well, there's a lot of you know, obviously excitement and some people would even use the word hype. I think we have to all take a realistic, pragmatic approach that uh, it, it may be a little bit slower and a little bit more challenging uh, to deploy in healthcare compared to other sectors of, of industry and the economy. And I think that's okay because healthcare is incredibly important. We're dealing with people's lives here, right? right. And uh, we have to do so with utmost uh, you know, caution 
uh, and making sure that they're trustworthy and safe. So I, I think first is uh, tempering expectations. So I'll, I, I, I want to be excited and, you know, we, you know, we see, see it all in healthcare that this is going to be a panacea and fix everything. We, we have to, you know, take a step back and say, okay, um, this is going to be challenging because we have to use science and we have to be ethical in how we approach this. But that being said, the opportunities are incredible, right? I mean, we have provider burnout, like people having to sift through thousands of documents and different information silos and different user interfaces. I mean, the opportunity to do natural language processing, to extract this, to get the information they need to uh, advance clinical decision support, whether it's uh, automation, whether it's dealing with big data, we're talking about big data, <laughs> this is it, right? And right. that's where that's where deep learning and uh, other techniques of artificial intelligence could be incredibly, incredibly helpful. There are studies out there, impactful studies, that have shown that we can predict when a patient might get sepsis and die. We might predict when a patient may get a severe life-threatening illness that can have profound public health uh, implications. And really excited to help uh, make this realized into uh, the VA. Uh, it is, uh, has incredible opportunities. So it's really about a lot of promise, um, but we have to be careful and strategic on how we get there. Right. I think that's a great answer. AI definitely seems to be a game changer, and I look forward to seeing how that continues to play out as we move forward. So if our listeners want to learn more, uh, where can they find additional information? Uh, thank you for asking. Um, your listeners could... Um, join the AI at VA community and also stay tuned. Uh, we are going to be having AI uh, summit uh, sometime in early September. Uh, and we'll send out more information soon. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Kim. It was great to learn more about uh, VA's work in artificial intelligence. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was a fascinating conversation, Sarah. Before we let our listeners go, do you have any last highlights or takeaways that you want to leave us with? Yeah, I think uh, my major takeaway is that agencies are looking to quickly deliver innovations to improve care. We've heard a lot about that through different agencies about the possibilities of healthcare in the future, but you also have to take into account the risks. So I'd say there's a combination of agility, risk management, and governance, especially when it comes to AI. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Listeners can tune in next week for a brand new HealthCast. But until then, that's all for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Sarah Seibert. Thank you for listening. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com. <laughs>